Good morning. Uh, my name is John DeMaio. I am the CEO of Graphics Technologies and the president of Graphics Group, the Graphene Division. We are a midstream processor of spherical graphite, primarily for use in electric vehicle batteries. Uh, we have current operations in uh, mainland China. Uh, we are, however, a Cayman Island company uh, headquartered in Hong Kong with a U.S. subsidiary headquartered in Michigan. There we go. John, lovely to meet you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I think we, we caught up with um, Dan and I back in August last year. So I'm, it might be worth going over a few few bits of vocabulary and a, and a little bit around the business plan. Okay, so spherical graphite, it's used for what again? It's used for electric vehicle batteries. You know, batteries are comprised of the cathode, an anode, an electrolyte, and a separator in simple terms. <clears throat> graphite is the primary element that comprises the anode in almost all electric vehicle batteries. So where there's a lot of uh, attention and press and, and um, concern about the, you know, the, uh, the cathode materials, lithium, cobalt, nickel, manganese, uh, graphite is more or less the working man in the battery. It provides the anode material for, again, uh, almost all of the electric vehicle batteries out there. Right, okay. And um, again, <clears throat> just to help us understand the, the whole kind of China versus US <clears throat> component here because you're on the OTC um, QX at the moment. I think there's there's discussion around listing on NYSE. You're also listing Hong Kong with operations in mainland China. Uh, is, does that, is that cause for concern for your investors or people, investors that you talk to? Yeah, well, I mean, realistically, you know, on the graphite side of the spectrum, 80% of the graphite that's currently mined on the planet is mined in the Northeast province of China. So it only made sense for us, you know, to have location close to that resource uh, for processing of that graphite into battery anode material. Um, there are, you know, geopolitical concerns. There are supply chain concerns, and, and those are widely um, known. And you know, graphics as a company had already started to address that that kind of concern and the proliferation of electric vehicle manufacture that started to pop up in the US and, and in Europe as well. So we were already underway to expand and diversify our footprint um, when a lot of focus you know, became apparent about domestication of, of the supply. So is there a concern? Well, yes, there is, right? Again, for the reasons I mentioned, geopolitical and supply chain, but the reality of it is you're not going to domesticate that entire supply chain overnight, right? So. What we're doing as a company is, is disarticulating that process one piece at a time. You know, the processing of graphite is really a two-step process. It's the shaping and purification, and then it's what's called pitch coating, which really turns it into that, that anode material that electric vehicle battery manufacturers need and want. Uh, so what we're doing is disarticulating that finishing process into Michigan in the, the coming 12 to 14 months. Um, and then we will disarticulate that first part of the process, the shaping and purification, um, you know, as that makes sense to do. The mining of graphite is something that, A, we don't do it, but B, it can only be done where graphite actually exists, right? A lot of it, as I mentioned, is in China, but there are resources now online in Mozambique, uh, coming online in Brazil, uh, Canada is making a big push to become the battery of North America. So we're in discussions with all of those locations um, as part of our diversification plan, but also in support of a, a global diversification plan. Okay, okay. Tanzania too, another good one. Um, diversification, let's be clear about what that means, because you're just, well, when, when I last spoke, 
10,000 uh, tons of this stuff, looking to aiming for 40,000 tons out of China, right? Right. You're going to need to diversify quite a bit to kind of catch, play, play catch up there. So in terms of that ramp up um, and how you do it, um, are you talking about JVing or working with, from a technical perspective, country, country, uh, companies ex-China? I mean, how, how do you do it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So in China, we are, as you mentioned, we are going to expand from the 10,000 metric tons to 40,000 over the next three years. And that supply will basically be you know, consumed within the, the Asian electric vehicle market. Um, and that, that makes perfect sense. On the diversification side, to diversify that upstream supply chain, we are in discussions with mining operations in those various geographic locations um, to create joint ventures so for a number of reasons. One is to um, where it makes sense to process the material as close to the mine as is practical, where infrastructure exists, you, have, you need a, you know, power needs and uh, logistical you needs to, to get the material moved around. Um, but also, you know, the value chain for, for graphite goes up significantly from the mining operation to that first you know, level of processing to the finished processing, there's a tremendous increase in value. So the joint ventures are structured where, whereby we as a company, you know, gain access to that raw material supply. And what the miners get out of it is, is participation in that upstream, in that downstream supply chain and the value creation. So, you know, each situation is, is unique based on ge geography, mining resource, you know, amount of material, et cetera. But that's the overall kind of push is that there is a win-win for everybody involved, right? And because, you know, there's so much activity around supply chain concerns, it's not out of the question that we would have a three-way conversation between a mining operation, a company like ours to do the, the secondary transformation, as it sometimes is called, and to have a third party maybe be a battery manufacturer or even an OEM that is interested in locking down, you know, future supply. Right, but that, that that's more on the the finance side, whether it be um you know uh, offtake agreements or whether it be you know right. you know pre pre finance as it were. So, right. you, I, okay, well you can tell us more about that as and when that happens. But now I'm just trying to understand the the, the, the cookie cutter model which you you want to you want to do. So, we're, are we talking about a your technology partner, or is it a bit more than that? Because if I, again, I've started a heart back conversation with someone else in your organization, Dan, back in August, but yeah. we talked about 50, 50 million in revenue, 40 million of which came from the architectural design component. So what is that bit of it, that 40 million contributor? Um, is it integral to what you're doing on the technology side with these spherical graphite um, technology? Or, I mean, how does that all intertwine? How does it work together? Yeah. So is the question about the, um, the, com the contribution from the landscape side? Or? Yeah. I mean, the landscape side is, is got, yeah. is, how does that work? Yeah. So the parent company, you know, has, you know, not only is it the graphene division, which again, I'm president of, but there is, you know, the landscape architecture. And at one point there was, you know, a catering business. Now, both of those other businesses were impacted severely by COVID, right? Um, so the catering business has really been downsized. Um, you know, to the point where it's it's a negligible part of our, our revenue. 
the landscape architecture business is it's an award-winning business and it's really the, the foundation of the original you know uh, company um, and that is you know that is contributing and it is profitable but graphene division by far is dominating you know the the revenue and that is really where the, the focus is what's, what's that look like now then because it was out of 50 million 40 million was the landscape architect now and 10 million yeah. was the graphene right so has that changed dramatically in the last eight months it, it has it has changed dramatically you know the uh, the graphene division is about 66 percent of, of revenues again around 50 million in 2021 you know our, our annual report just was published it's out available on the website so yes the graphene is starting to overtake and you know with these expansion plans we anticipate that it's going to be the, the primary driver you know of the of the entire company going forward right so in terms of skill sets, very different parts of the business, but you're not going to separate Absolutely. them out. You're going to spin it out in terms of clarifying the, the, the narrative or simplifying the message. Yeah, so that, that was part of the, the establishment of the, of the U.S. subsidiary in 2021 was to focus on the graphite side of the business, graphite and graphene, um, and primarily graphite. So we, we, should, we should be focused on gra uh, uh, graphite technologies, the, the U.S. subsidiary. Right. That's what we should be looking at, right. Okay, gotcha. So what's that equate? The 66% of group revenue equates to what? Yeah, 35 million? 66% of... What's that, what's that in dollar terms? That's... Uh, uh, 35? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Okay, so okay, so that, that's where... So that really has grown. That's 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 starting to to, to motor for, for sure. Um, most of that coming out of, the, out of, out of the, the, the Chinese part of the, the business at the moment, for sure. Right. Currently, you know, uh, 100% of our, our productivity is in mainland China and, and being sold into the existing client base within China, which is expanding, right? Because there is electric vehicle proliferation all around the world. You know, we talk about most of it, we talk about here in the US because we always talk about ourselves as what's happening here in the US and in Europe, but the, but the Chinese market is growing uh, okay. as well. Just just so I can park up the Chinese bit and talk, talk about the US, because I think that's exciting, but uh, going forward is, is it as simple as saying 10,000 tons equals 35 million bucks, 40,000 ton target in the next three years e equals four times uh, 35? Is it I mean, simple I, as that? I think it's safe to say that. Roughly. It's safe to say that. I think we will see, you know, some uh, potential increase in in pricing, uh, just based on elevated, you know, demand. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's a good rule of thumb. Okay. Well, let's tell you, tell you what, John. Let, let's let's bounce over to um, the U.S. Okay, because your role there is to expand uh, into the U.S. And, and Europe a bit. But let's let's focus on the U.S. because there is this whole critical minerals uh, conversation going on, uh, you know, mineral security and this kind of domestication of supply chains, given the, it feels like deglobalization of recent events, Russia, Ukraine, and obviously right. China, China itself. Right. Um, what does that mean? What, what market are you specifically looking at? What conversations do you need to have to drive revenues to sell technology to find these partners? What, what, what exactly are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, the, the end consumer for us is our battery manufacturers and electric vehicle manufacturers, and they run hand in hand. So, you know, you have GM working closely with LG, you've got Ford working closely with SK, et cetera. So our customers are both of those entities, right? And again, it would normally be strictly the battery manufacturers, but because there's such a focus on securing supply chain and having enough material to meet the ambitious goals of 
electrification, right? So General Motors going to be 100% electric by 2035. When you back that into how many vehicles that means and how much how many pounds of graphite you need, so GM is getting directly involved, as is you know uh, as is LG. So our conversations are with getting our material qualified by these auto manufacturers to, to make sure that it meets their technical requirement, right? Because it has to perform, you know, in their electric vehicles. So getting our, our, our materials qualified. So those are the conversations that we're having is, you know, we can supply it. First of all, we're not a startup in this space. We've been producing spherical graphite for almost over 10 years now. Um, we're selling it commercially for the last eight. So we're not a new technology provider. We're not providing we're not a new startup and we're not a new technology. So we're a proven technology with capability to perform at high volume. So 10,000 metric tons is a fair amount, right? Going to 40, that's really just four times what we were doing. So again, it's, it's not that, that I'm trying, what, what I'm trying to say is that there's not a lot of risk in what we're in our expansion plan. So our conversations are, we can meet the quality spec, we can meet the quantity spec, and we can we have you know stable sources of supply. Right. Okay. So th- th- this isn't a case of um, lab test, pilot test, demo. You've been doing it for ten years, but ten thousand ton produced in China. Where does that go? Doesn't that stay in China? So that stays in China. So that's part of, of again, and we can expand. We we have a a flexible you know, I, and I think it's an advantageous kind of a footprint, right? We provide midstream processing. We already have an established supply chain in China. So if there's a need for volume into the US, we can upsize that operation to provide it. That is, you know, that is a uh, meeting a need. The other part of the need is that, again, that diversification you know, away from China, which is a, a desire of, of many of the manufacturers here in the States. That's where the relationships with other uh, resources and other geographies make sense. Right, so that we can have a supply chain. Now, there is one resource, you know, limited resource in the U.S. for graphite in Alabama. It's not online yet, and you know, it's anybody's not anybody's guess, but you know, it's it's not going to be online tomorrow. So, no graphite will be sourced in the U.S. for the foreseeable future. So, we are looking at Canada as our closest neighbor. Right, um, we're looking at securing offtake agreements with material there. Again, Brazil. Mozambique, other places where we can bring in non-China supply and process it into the material. Okay. Understood. So you you can ramp up in China, but the likelihood is you'll probably, you could find a home for that increased production in Asia. A molecules travel, least distance makes makes more sense. The, The bit that kind of, I guess, would excite the market is can you find a supply? Okay, Alabama's not going to be online anytime soon, but you've got a couple of you know big big Canadians. I think talked about merger recently um, and work with them. I mean, do have they solved the problem technically to be able to, to produce uh, spherical graphite? They certainly talk the language of. So, is there an opportunity there, or do you have to trot off to Africa? Because we've seen this happen with uh, Canadian companies, um, you know, buying cobalt supply, um, but actually processing it in in, in Canada. Um, and, and like, likewise, I, I suspect there will be more agreements like that happening. So how do you get the supply that you need and where do you process it? Is it best to process it, as you said, for China, right by the mine? Or can you possibly see a, a case for exporting it to North America 
and then processing it there. Because you talk about domestication of supply chain. Well, domestication may not be possible in, in, its, in its true sense. You may have to have create a hybrid version. So but what, what, what does it look like in North America for you now in terms of the opportunities? Yeah, you? and that, that, that's an excellent question. And that, again, I think speaks to you know, the, uh, what, I, what I like to, to say about what we're doing is we have the ability and the agility, right? So if you think about, the, again, the processing of graphite being a two-step process, Again, shaping and purification and pitch coating. It's ideally, you locate both of those in the same location for obvious reasons. And that location can be close to the source if it makes sense, right? Now, mines are sometimes far away from infrastructure, but you can be at the same location or you can be nearby, near a port, near a distribution kind of center where you have access to the things we look for are reasonable cost of energy because it's an energy intensive process. Right, infrastructure, you know, other infrastructure like you know uh, transportation to get materials in and out, um, and labor force. Right. So if you're if you're mining in you know deep in, into the uh, interior of Brazil, do you locate your your processing plant near the mine or maybe near a port? Right. Those are the, the uh, analyses that we do. But to answer your broader question about you know domestication, you're exactly right. And that's where the industry as a whole is, is very, um, not to say fluid, but um, we all know that we need the raw material and we need to produce animal material. What happens in between is, is a function of where does it make the most sense to do it? And what is the life of the resource, right? Are you going to build a plant if the mine only has three years left in its production you know, life? Um, what's the cost of energy in Quebec versus, you know, uh, Warren, Michigan? Um, you know, so those are the things that, that factor into it. But overall, what you're trying to do is, you know, locate the finishing plants as close to the point of use as possible. So you can almost have just-in-time auto, you know, delivery, which the automotive industry is used to. You can have that shaping and purification process. You know, one of those plants can feed multiple finishing plants, and one mine can, fin can feed multiple uh, spherinization purification plants. So there's a, a, a strategy that, that has to match the, um, what, the timing of the production of the mine. So you, you mentioned Canada, right? There is a, a, a merger that just happened. You know, obviously we're interested in discussing um, with those folks about you know, the possibility for um, uh, a collaboration. Right to secure that, that um, uh, to provide the expertise that we do, uh, which is that secondary transformation. Right, that's something that we're proven and, and we we're tried and true at that. Um, does it make sense to get into a you know a collaboration with mining operations where they they stick to their knitting, produce the material, and we stick to ours? You know, produce the anode material. And you know, there, there should be room for collaboration there. Well, that's what we're finding. Well, I think, I, see, that's the interesting bit of the conversation because when I talk to the mining companies and you know, miners talk to me about moving downstream without having done the technology bit before, um, as an investor, it always makes me nervous. Um, you know, and, and you know, you can brush it away with saying, we'll hire the right people, the right experience, it'll be all fine, but it, it invariably never is. Um, and, and likewise, for, for you, you know, we'll go and find those. Those those companies and have those agreements with them. It's, it's again, it's, it's competitive environment, so you can both operate separately from each other. I'm sure, and but coming together is the hard bit. You know who who does pay for the 
pilot plant and the demo plant and then the commercial plant and what do the economics look for? You know, do they see you just as a technology and IP, in which case, well, how do they value that versus how do they value mm-hmm. their own graphite coming out of the ground or whatever commodity coming out of the ground? Right. Those are complex discussions which take time. See, but you don't need many of them to get over the line for it to work for you. So again, I appreciate the complexity of all the optionality you have on the table, but how do you go and get that first one over the line and say, look, it's working in the US. We've got a case study here. We've got one project. It's working. And what scale do you need to go for to prove to the market that you're someone to you know take note of? Yeah. Um, so getting the first one is really, it's a, as always, it's a combination of things, you know, is the, is the material being produced, right? Um, so again, we, we are in discussions, you know, there's certain ones I, I can and can't really talk about, right? Because of uh, either NDA or where it is, you know, where we are in those discussions. But um, your point is, is, is taken uh, that there is interest in, in mining, some mining operations to, to, explore the value chain downstream. It doesn't seem like it would be rocket science to do what we do, but it is not, it's not something that you do. You don't fall out of bed producing, you know, processing um, graphite into anode material, right? We're talking about microscopic particles that, you know, are, are coated with, you know, microscopic amounts of asphalt, et cetera. So it's, it's part art, part science that we've, you know, I'll say we've perfected. So it does make sense. And I think people are recognizing that, Speed is, is is critical, right? So, does it make sense to you know um, reinvent as a as a mining operation? Does it make sense to get into the secondary transformation, or does it make sense to connect with a company like ours that already does that and work through the financing, you know, the revenue sharing, etc., so that everybody wins? The good news about that, you know, is that it is a rising tide for everyone. So there is there is demand on the other side that is not going away anytime soon. So it doesn't eliminate risk by any means, but it does mitigate that to, to, to a large extent. And, you know, again, everybody involved in these is, is uh, intelligent. So we all know that there's, you know, um, it, it's important to, to build these things economically, right? To not just throw caution to the wind and build a plant anywhere you want. You have to have those critical elements, power, labor force, right? Um, logistics. and and come to an agreement. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question directly. No, you, know, you kind of are, and it, 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 yeah. you are, but um, I, I just wanted all the options on the table in terms of what the makeup looks like. I mean, you obviously, you want to go to OEMs and say, hey, we're, we're doing it over here, and you can buy it from us, from our Chinese product, but more likely it's probably going to go to the Asia market. Um, but we can replicate that here. Look, test, mm-hmm. test the feel the quality of this. We can replicate that here if you, we can walk into a miner with the assurances that there will be an offtake for this product or there could be an offtake for this product or some kind of pre-finance uh, structure, which will give them some comfort. Because do you know, what I mean? there's, always, there's always that, um, you know, catch 22 for the miners yes, when they get to the point where they say, well, we've got a product and we can take it so far, but there's one or two people who sit between us and the OEM or the battery manufacturer because they don't necessarily always have the in-house as well. So I just, if you're there to open up the US market or North American market, I'm intrigued in that. What, what, what a, is that an option for you guys? What are the discussions? I'm intrigued. 
Well, the, the discussions are, you know, very, when we announced that we were going to be, you know, locating that, that facility in Michigan, um, it, it, it garnered a lot of attention and we've had a lot of conversations as a result. Um, and those conversations are, are ongoing. You know, there's, um, and, and quite frankly, in this industry, there's a lot of talk. Right. And, and talk is not only cheap, it's almost worthless because, it, you know, can you back it up? It's one thing to say you're going to build a plant, but then will that plant produce the material that is usable? Right? I think we've been able to, you know, and we're in the process of, of walking that talk. Right. So we we know we, our material meets the, the specification that we produce in China. All we have to do now is replicate. And we're very confident that that will that that's doable. It's the same equipment. It's the same process. It's the same technology. Uh, it's the same folks that have perfected it are going to be you know doing it here. So you know there is um, there is caution on the other side, but that caution is being also assuaged with the, the fact that we have a track record that we are doing what we said we're going to do. You know, because again, there's a, a lot of talk about um, uh, capabilities, right? Um, it's one thing to, to produce material that we produce at a pilot scale or a lab scale, um, but running it at 10,000, you know, 24 hours a day, producing 10,000, 20,000, 40,000 is not something that everybody can do or maybe would even want to do, right? So that's what we've, we've focused on. That's, again, we stick to our knitting. We do what we do. And we know that it's it's a it's, it's a um, invaluable part of the of the supply chain that everyone is discussing. So, you know, we know that it's going to bear out. We know that it's going to prove out, and we will. You know, we're in very many discussions all over the the globe, basically, to again be able to provide uniform, consistent material at high volume to wherever it's needed. Okay, so 10,000 tons is a lot and you can do it. And technically, we don't have to have a technical conversation because you can do it. You're selling into market already and you right. can ramp that up in China. Right, no problem. It, it, what's the competition like ex-China for you guys? So when you're walking into a room with wh whichever OEM, which, whichever battery manufacturer, ex-China, you've got how many people can technically deliver or have shown that they have not not talk about maybe we can have technically delivered spherical graphite into market at, at, at scale. Yeah, ex-China, particularly speaking about the U.S., there's there's no one yet. Um, you know, Sierra was a, a has a mining operation in Mozambique. They've announced and they're, they're in process of building a plant in I think Louisiana um, to perform the and I think they have a, they have it functioning at. Um, a, I don't know what the volume is, but it's not extremely high uh, to produce the anode material. You know, so they they have a good end-to-end -end kind of you know supply line. Um, expertise, I don't know. Right, they they've been in a mining operation for a number of years. I'm not sure how much expertise they have in the secondary transformation. Uh, other than that, I think there was an announcement recently um, from a, an Alaska mining operation that was going to team up and and look at. Yeah, um, locating a facility somewhere in Washington state. But other than that, um, there really is no domestic supply chain in the US. Uh, there's definitely no mining and there's currently not anyone producing a significant amount of material you know, that, that can provide. Put it this way, Matt, um, you know, there's 188 uh, gigawatts of, of uh, 
factory of gigafactories that have been announced here in the U.S. over the next couple of years, that's about 188,000 tons of graphite to feed that. So, you know, even at 10,000, 15,000, we're barely making a dent, right? So what we're talking about is, is replicating, you know, that. And if you think about our production facilities in increments of 10,000, we can, you know, theoretically, right, um, locate, you know, operations. If you have mining operations, we can, going back to something I said earlier, we can have the primary process, you know, upscale to 10, 20, 40, 50,000 tons, depending on the production that we get out of the mine. And then that material can feed different finishing plants near different gigafactories down in the States or, you know, in the States, um, you know, to, to, again, feed specific auto manufacturers per their specification. So that's the, the capability, you know, it's not a question of if you build it, they will come kind of thing. We of course are looking for supply agreements with OEMs, with battery manufacturers to help, you know, justify the, uh, the build out, but we're very confident that there's demand. Um, and once we get through the qualification process for our material, um, we, we think that that will, you know, that will kind of, um, that will be the missing or the, the, the piece that, that drives, you know, it'll just fall into place. Right. right? That, that will be. And what do you see, Reese? It's just a little bit, okay, a little bit, get a little bit technical. So when different graphite producers will have slight variances there, I mean, you, you've got to just yeah. tweak your, Technology slightly each each time, but that doesn't necessarily add years. Is, is that a case of months? I mean, exactly. Right. And that's going to be a that's that's a great question. It's going to be a it's a good discussion to have with the EV manufacturers, you know, the battery manufacturers, and the automakers. They will look at every different you know piece of that supply chain as unique, right? So if it's Chinese graphite being you know, prim- you know, primary processed in China and then finished processed in Michigan. They'll look at that differently than if it's Brazilian product coming into a Canadian operation and then to Michigan. You know, so they're going to look at that differently. And I think that will be a um, a qualification process, but it won't take years, right? I think once once we get to the point where it's proven out that regardless of the source of material, the end product is uniform. Right or within tolerance or you know acceptable, then then that will um, open up the uh, the capability for high volumes you know to meet the demand. But you know there, I'm not discounting that there there definitely has to be a qualification process for safety reasons, right? Well, well, for, um, for, 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 for sure, and 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 it's a more technical um, product as well. You know, right. in, in the sense that so, you know so is so is lithium. You know, whereas the kind of the, the, some of the base, you know, the nickel is nickel kind of. If it's X purity, it's we're fine for. You know, everyone is happy with that. So I, I'm just I'm sort of intrigued by that part of the process in terms of what it asks the cost, what it asks to the time frame, um, and like you say the the economic makeup. You know, how how you split that is that's that's always going to be the sixty yeah. million dollar question. Yeah, but you touched you touched on something because you know when we get the product from the mines, it's ninety four to ninety six percent you know carbon content. Um, we have to get that up to ninety nine point nine five. Right. So regardless of where the material comes from, you know, the only difference will really be in that 0.005 of of the carbon. So, you know, 
how much difference will that make? I mean, I think that's something that that we are we will have to prove out with the uh, with the battery manufacturers. But there's a pretty high confidence that you know pure carbon is pure carbon, right? And um, you know, once we have it to that point, then pitch coating it right creates basically a uniform product. So you know, we are um, uh, procuring materials from these different locations. We are going to run it through our process. Uh, we are going to prove it out and we are going to work with the uh, manufacturers and, and OEMs um, to satisfy that, that requirement. You know, we're not, we're here to support, you know, we're obviously a business, we're a for-profit business. So we're of course, you know, uh, very interested in, in growing our volume, but really we are here to support the electrification of mobility, you know, for the good of, of, of the planet. Um, so we are willing to do what it takes research and development. We're not just, you know, grinding out, tons and tons of graphite, we're, you know, looking at different technologies, again, mostly in the graphite sphere, graphene, sodium, you know, lithiumization of, of anodes, et cetera. So we're, we're keeping abreast. We're trying to be, you know, we're trying to provide some thought leadership in that because we have a lot of expertise. To be good at what we do, we have to be good at understanding mining operations and, and what they face as challenges and what kind of you know, impurities, you know, they may have that we have to filter out, et cetera. So we're very, you know, involved in this, you know, from, from end to end, understanding how, what the battery makers, you know, challenges are. And in some cases offering our inputs into, you know, the battery uh, chemistries, right? So we're, we're not just, you know, we are, what we do for profit is sell graphite. What we do as, as part of an industry ecosystem is provide, you know, share our the benefit of our technical expertise, which we have deep bench on um, at both the on the mining side, upstream and downstream in the battery side. Well, look, um, John, I appreciate you coming on the show. Kind of, I think we'd have a little we'd have a little romp around the the world of of of, of graphene gra- graphite yeah. uh, there. So, look, thanks for the catch up. It sounds like you've started a process in North America, which was exciting. I guess you're going to replicate that in Europe at some point and things in China continue to go well, certainly in terms of the rev- increased revenue uh, they have for sure. So thanks for your time. Stay in touch. Yes. Thanks, Matt.